Welcome back to the Gods to Ghosts Volleyball Podcast and your host, Scott Bemke, for part two of our interview with Dennis Hare. Let's pick up where we last left off with Dennis the Rabbit Hare. Culturally, there's a lot happening. And this was like was 60, late 60s compliance. through late 70s, right? Early 70s. Okay. Like from about 72 to 79, something like that. Okay. I would imagine that was a pretty fun time back then. Oh, it was. I mean, you could park your car on the Strand almost. And <laughs> that, that's a big deal because nowadays you have to park and get a taxi to, to come into the court. So that, that was uh, definitely hard. And... Musically, I've always been very much into music. I love it. If I if I wasn't so involved with volleyball, I would have loved to have picked up guitar or something like that, a piano, and, and done and done that. But um, some of the groups that I loved were uh, oh, let's see, like The Doors. Oh yeah. And in fact, I went to the Whiskey a Go Go uh, with some friends. And you've heard of the Whiskey A Go Go, right? Sure, sure. When I lived out there, I went to some shows there. Probably not as good there as seeing go. the doors in a small venue like that, though. But well, here, here it started off with. Uh, dun, 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 dun. See, I should be in a band. Oh heck yeah! Uh, that was uh, Inagata de Vida. But I forget the group. I think the group is named Inagata de Vida. How neat. And uh, after that, it was uh, the Buffalo Springfield. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know them well. And then after that, it was uh, the Doors. So, but I've, uh, I mean, I like all kinds of music. Um, jazz and, and your rock and roll. And and so much, there's so many, when somebody asks me, who's your favorite artist? I can't answer that because there's just too many and they're changing at all times so well and plus during that time period that was like the golden age of that 70s rock you had you know crosby stills and nash and you had all these incredible um bands uh that just made such and great songwriters and music you know the gordon lightfoots and jerry rafferty's etc etc you know america i mean like whenever you hear little songs just kind of, I, you know, wasn't playing, but it takes me back to that era when they, when those songs came out. So I could only imagine what it was like cruising around in like a, uh, a VW van and playing and listening to that music and having a beer and just 
uh, after playing all day. It must have been just a best time of your life, well, I'm guessing. That's not all we had. <laughs> no, you yeah, uh, we're, we were at the, uh, oh, the San Diego Coliseum, which seated about, I'd say, 60,000 at the most. But anyway, Elton John was going to be playing that night. And, uh, of course, we choked up for that. We had some stuff called The Eliminator. The Eliminator? It eliminated you basically from the music. Something <laughs> <laughs> uh, else. And uh, they had a pre a pre band before Elton John named Steely Dan. Oh yeah. And uh, I I got Fred Featherstone, John Featherstone, Digger, all these people. I got into Steely Dan. Now they hate me because because that's all they play. The wives hate me anyway. Yep. Yep. But but getting back to. Uh, volleyball at that time lay down with the volleyball as my pillow mm-hmm. and this was about 120 miles from the beach to the Inland Empire and as of now I don't know of anyone who ever went to the beach route going to Utaipa <laughs> yeah two hours there and back yeah twice yeah, a day hours about that. but anyway like you said you get a lot of uh, music, and I had a little VW, and oh gosh, that took me many a many a place. <clears throat> but I would wake up, and, and I'd hear him playing volleyball, and look on the main court, and there was John Valley. And I couldn't believe how good he was. Oh, man. And goodness. that just kind of changed my viewing of volleyball. Because he was so good, he was like one of the top four. Yeah, he had all that success with Von Hagen, like right after he won an NCAA basketball championship in '69, and then he went out on the beach and won a bunch of tournaments, including the Manhattan Beach Open. I mean, and he was like 19 or 20 years old. I mean, that's insanity to be that great at two sports like that. Yeah, yeah, he, um, you know, he had an attitude. I mean, most. If you played for John Wooden, you're gonna be having an attitude, or you wouldn't even be there. Mm-hmm. You didn't so, lack uh, for confidence, huh, Dennis? What? Valet didn't lack for confidence, is what you're telling me. <laughs> you're right. He, he had all the confidence in the world. So for me to be able to play with him later on in my volleyball life, uh, it was a great, great honor. Mm-hmm. And he was very humble. He he had some difficulties in life, you know. So anyway, that was my routine for um, a good year, year and a half. And then I met uh, Wink Davenport. Have you ever heard of Wink Davenport? Yeah, didn't he compete on the '68 national uh, Olympic team for the men? Taller guy, had glasses. Yeah, you're right. And he was the good. tennis player, Lindsey Davenport's grandfather, maybe, or, or father, I'm not sure, something along those lines, but yeah. Father. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm familiar with Wink's name. Uh, Wink, um, in some, I've seen some photos and heard his name a bit. So, how, you, so well, you ended up meeting him? Yeah, I ended up meeting uh, him. We were playing, there was a tryout for something, I forget, the team, I think. Okay. I guess 18. Uh, indoor volleyball 
And that's what I was doing at the time, playing indoor volleyball. I really wasn't playing. Well, I just I wasn't good enough on the beach yet. Sure. Um, so he wrote this little letter because I was I got my one A. That means I had to go into the army, and a lot of my friends were getting out out of it, and I just didn't put up enough fight to get out of it. And I really should have because you just never know about that. Could could have changed my life in an instant because be there for opening ceremonies, which means that you just graduated and you're going into the infantry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> big, big deal. But there was a high percentage of people being shot Ouch. at that time in Vietnam, 68-69. And so we had our, our graduation day there and I'm, I'm standing next to the CO and he goes, here's your, your job application. Here is this could be the fate of your life, frankly. So he gets down to, he goes, Anderson, 625514. And then he goes, Butler, B U T L I 67555. He goes, Hare, Hare, who in the hell is this guy? He's been doing terrible during the week. And I'll never forget those numbers. Dennis Hare, OC. OC320, Physical Activity Recreation Specialist. That was my job, which was real tough. Oh, yeah, right up your alley with your background. Yeah. (laughs) So, anyway, (laughs) that was that, that, and um, that led into me getting my, you have a rest period, like two weeks. Mm -hmm. Or you you get time off. And I had my hair, I was, they cut off all my hair. People didn't recognize me at all. You look all yeah. clean cut. Clean cut, baby. Clean That's cut. right. No more eliminator for you. <laughs> no, I, was, I, I don't, I haven't smoked in like five, ten years, but... So yeah, so you're um, you got your hair cut short, you got sports and rec uh, in the... Um, in the service and then um, were you able to play volleyball there or what What all did you get to do uh, then after well you had like a two week break you said right and I was on the team in fact the guy went down for it said Dennis I'm just going to have you coach the team because he didn't know anybody he didn't know who was good or not Mike Norman made the team and, okay. but anyway I mean if I had told the guys go through the swall head first they would because, like I said, it's your life. So, but during that time, this is where I, where I first got my AAA. Wow. Yeah, uh, Yakaipa's proudest son, Dennis Hare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think too many people understand. Oh, Dennis, you play volleyball. Oh, how wonderful. Jeez, what's this? Yeah, they're thinking but, uh, about 18 on 18 with gloves in, uh, indoors during the rain, not uh, playing out on the beach like you guys did. Yeah, and I had another one, a little experience like this with uh, Sizzler. And they needed, they, they needed a cook. So anyway, the guy gave me the job. He says, you can cook, can't you? And I go, oh, sure. No problemo. So I got my little Sizzler hat on, I 
That's what happened to me. <laughs> All of a sudden, people were raising their hands and, where's my steak? And uh, it was so frustrating for me. I walked out the back door. <laughs> <laughs> I just walked out, just gave my sizzler a hat, said thanks for the memories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. I, uh... Dennis and his Sizzler stories, and I think we've all eaten at Sizzler at one point in time in our life. Oh, it was yeah. like a Ponderosa. I don't know if you guys had those out there. We have them here and the, had them here in the Midwest and Wisconsin, and they were very similar like that. So, you know, cheap steaks. But uh, that's a classic story. I wish you would have kept that hat. You could have hung it on the. You could have made some great uh, uh, figurative yeah. art art with that, Dennis. <laughs> so I have. Uh number of names as far as yeah all the the players that you got to see and compete against and hang out with at those player parties and all that fun stuff we were like Fred Zulich we were like uh, the odd couple I was weren't you guys roommates for a while yeah yeah uh -huh. in the South Bay or San Diego in San Diego at Mission Beach oh boy how was that? Oh, I was Oscar Madison, and Felix Unger was <laughs> I remember that show. That's pretty classic. I'll think of that now next time I watch it on uh, the streaming device here at home. Think of Fred Zulich and Dennis Hare in their days living in San Diego <laughs> at Mission yeah, Beach. The Eliminator. Oh, gosh, with the Eliminator, yeah, yeah. It eliminates all roommate problems. So what was what was it like living with Fred? You guys have some fun stories? Yeah, we've got a million of them. He's, he's Mr. Uptight, and I was Mr. Casual. Yeah. And always there'd be a party Saturday night. Everybody would go to, people would just crash out on the grass. He didn't need a place and a lot of a lot of those players, early great players, would just crash out on a couch or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Too much drinking it didn't bother those guys. I say that because they were such great athletes; they could they could drink one night and still play fantastically the next day. Like Chris Marlowe was one, Gary Hooper, Steve Obradovich. Uh, Jim Vegas, Greg Lee, all these people. Yeah. We really had a fun time. Oh, I can only imagine, you know, we all know that the 70s were one of the best decades ever, and then uh, to be playing with your uh, group of volleyball athletes like that, I can only imagine um, what those player parties were like, you know, on Saturday night and what have you. and. Then it was a war of attrition the next day to see who could work off their hangover and make it to the finals, right? I think you're right. You're, you're definitely right. 
um, say I, I when I talked to Fred on the phone before we interviewed, he said uh, when you guys live together, um, <laughs> the the one thing that used to drive him nuts for for the odd couple was. Um, you never put the cap back on anything, so he'd go into the fridge, he'd grab like the, the uh, a gallon of milk, or he'd grab orange juice, and he'd always kind of shake it up, and he'd forget there wasn't a cap on, and he'd get doused with milk, or he'd get doused with <laughs> orange juice. I was in the other room, I would hear it loud. Ah! Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Or like, because of the ants. And he loved it. fantasy to have those ants Yeah. Around. Yeah, and if I were you, I would just be laughing. window that was facing the street, and we would just throw stuff out of the window onto the truck. Yeah, he said, like, he loved honey, and, you know, he'd go to grab the honey, but you didn't put the cap on, so the thing would be as hard as a brick, and he couldn't squeeze anything out of there. I mean, just, uh, oh, yeah, and he said, um, but he said you guys just had such a, a good time. But yeah, you were very different in that way. And he says to this day he still thinks about that stuff, and it just brings a smile to his face. So I, I'm sure you guys had uh, forgot more than most people ever lived when you were down there. Well, we did have a great time. It was uh, a whole different lifestyle, which I'm I'm so happy that I played during that period. Other than the, 80s, which was all right. Know, driving, flying to Texas, and having your business outfit on, and doing business and playing volleyball, and not something that I would have liked. We used to go to these private beaches and play with our friends, and have drinks at sunset. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to put it, put it into words. It's like describing a painting. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, Mangus, you know, everyone that I talked to, but, you know, Mangus and those guys shared that, that, you know, uh, you guys played for pride, you play, played for bragging rights, and basically the love of the game, and maybe a pitcher of beer, or I think sometimes they gave out sweatpants or a cooler. <laughs> Or, uh, you know, if it was a Gene Selznick tournament, maybe he'd find a trophy in the trunk and pull off the whatever and give it to you, you know. But you didn't care. It was like, you know, you just you wanted to win and you didn't maybe didn't have any money. But like Shamala says, you, you didn't you didn't know that you didn't have any money. and You didn't need any money. You were just so happy. You'd play all day, jump in the yeah. ocean, go to a party afterwards, eat, have some drinks um and you know reminisce about the day watch the sunset and get up and do it all over again the next day and there was there was nothing better um i mean you probably couldn't put a dollar value on those memories now i bet right right yeah so when you played i i i wanted to uh bring up your waterfall dink that everyone talks about mac gage had brought it to my attention uh he's always been a good resource for me when i am going to interview some because he has such an incredible memory and um uh, on things and he he suggested i ask you about that and then i talked to some guys like blowfish and wally and von hagen and they said yeah that that dennis his dink you you had to guess it and be right there or you weren't gonna get it so tell us about the infamous waterfall dink and what it uh entailed dennis that really came from Larry Rundle had the uh, basic concept of it 
and I just took it from where I had seen it last to where it was my my style, and I practiced it, and it was really that led me to uh, learning how to make shots from all parts of the court because it wasn't just I love to see big hitters because I I knew that they would be in trouble if they had to make a shot, and if you weren't a good passer you are going to get hurt on that thing. And I will say, uh, we lost to Mingus and Lee about four or five times in a row in the finals. Laguna, Huntington Beach, Hermosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we lost to them, but they were tough. I, I, Jim Mingus was amazing to me because for one whole summer, I never saw him miss a pass. Yeah. Not one. Not one pass that I see. I finally Jimmy, we're gonna have to shoot you or something. <laughs> break his. You ever think about breaking his, having Steno or somebody come break his arms? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, he'll get a. He'll he'll crack up listening to this. Yeah, you're not the only one who said that. He was a very smooth uh, athlete. You know, never made mistakes. He was uh, really remarkable by all accounts. Well, you know, you you knew. We knew we were going to get into the quarterfinals on Saturday. We didn't even have to take our sweats off. Mm-hmm. That used to piss guys off, too. Sweatpants. So, um, but no, when you were saying when you'd keep your sweats on out on the beach and you could make it to the corners, quarters, that was when you were playing with Fred and or uh, Mike Carey. Is that is that correct? Yeah, uh-huh. Both of them. Okay. I played, I played more with Mike Carey, I think, in 1975. The worst we took was third place. Yeah, Gage had mentioned that to me as well, that you, uh, in that year, you know, a handful of people were on the IVA, I think, Shamalis. Right. And, and, and Gage was out that year, I think, because of his writer's syndrome. I'm not sure if I'm pr- pronouncing that right. And he had mentioned to me that you and Carey gave uh, Mangus and Lee some good battles that summer. You guys were probably the second best team on the beach uh, over the season. Yeah, no, we were. We were. I know I had listed uh, a big group of players because you played at a time when you were around so many of them, either as competitors um, on their way in or on their way out. I've got that list of them here. Did you want to you know kind of going through them one at a time and as far as you know what made them special as a player or a funny story or you know something memorable about them that sort of thing why don't i start off with uh Stu wade okay let's hear about him Stu uh and i hung around uh 1970 about 1970 71 we we hung out together and, and Stu was really uh but he was um he was a funny guy, great sense of humor, double-A player. Uh, he just couldn't dedicate himself to working out and doing all that stuff and, and go out and play. And I knew that this is, if I was going to be good, I couldn't keep up with Stu. But Stu was, like I said, a real funny guy, uh, tremendously funny, I think. Most people didn't understand his humor, but uh, I did, and it's really, it was really great. Yes, Stu. Good old Stu. Well, um, the next person that I have, 
on the list here is uh, Ron Lang and Ron Von Hagen. Slouches, brother. <laughs> yeah, Let's two move on. two hacks. Yeah, they're not worth the time, right? <laughs> they're not quite worth the time. And Lang is fat. <laughs> Phat <laughs> in terms of his skills. Uh, that kind of fat. Well, he was known as the greatest uh, defensive player around. And they were so great together because uh, Von Hagen could last all day. And uh, Lang was just, would, would just take your heart out and eat it. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, but he was one of my favorites, too. He had a great attitude. It's like he walked on the court and you, you knew you were going to lose. <laughs> and that's the kind of mentality he had. He wasn't an UCLA guy, but he was uh, definitely uh, a volleyball guy, a great one. Yeah. Um, I always hear the stories that Lang had a heck of a cut shot because it was just like almost impossible to get um, in that... Uh, he also was, you know, had no peer, um, you know, maybe Selznick, uh, when it came to his digging ability. Does that sound about uh, on par with what you recall too, Rabbit? Yeah, I never got to see Selznick play at his best, so I missed out on that. So it had to be, uh, in my opinion, uh, Lang and uh, Tom Shamalas. This concludes part two of our interview with Dennis Hare. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, our podcasts are available on all the major podcast directories, so you can download them from there and listen anywhere you wish. They're also available on our website, which is godstoghosts.com. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. Stay tuned for part three.